0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Just Shiatsu podcast and as always I'm your host Justin Zielinski who will be giving you my opinions once again on how I interpret these ideas within Chinese medicine and specifically within the Neijing so I hope I can entertain you or at least bring some enjoyment or enlightenment into your life. So I wanted to start off this episode with a couple quotes because I wanted to show that some of these ideas that I'm going to talk about within Chinese medicine are outside of chinese medicine as well um, if you're questioning the the validity of vibration and, and what that means for life in the universe so the first one is nikola tesla and he says if you want to find the secrets of the universe think in terms of energy frequency and vibration and the next one is albert einstein concerning matter we have been all wrong what we have called matter is really energy whose vibration has been lowered as to be perceivable to the senses. So if you were to take that quote by Albert Einstein and just change it to the body, that would kind of bring more of the concept of what we're going to talk about today. The five elements I like to think of as vibrational movements of the universe. And these are the vibrational movements of the universe that are specific to inside the body. And it's important to understand that when we reference the five elements, all those previous movements that we talked about in the seasons exist within these elements as well. And I'll I'll briefly mention the the season that goes along with it. But for the understanding of the text in the in the book here or in the Neijing, they actually take the seasonal references out of this this context that I'm going to talk about. And I believe that they take these out so that we can understand that all these movements exist at the same time within the body. They don't have their specific time, like spring. You can't have spring and winter at the same time, but you can have like the wood and water energy at the body in the same time. So I think it's just important to understand that before when we were talking about the seasons, they definitely had specific times and movements that went with them. Now we're talking about the five elements and in these movements, they exist all the time and all their forms within the body and they don't separate or become independent of each other. The other thing to think about with the five elements, like I said, is, is there definitely a vibrational quality to them, but what we're going to go through here from the, the, the Neijing is just a list of things that are like this vibration or like this movement. So in a way it can be a little bit like a riddle, or if you're familiar with the Zen tradition, like a, a where, the thing is not the answer, but the thing is a gateway to the answer. It's the example of what the thing does or what it means or how it moves that embodies all of what that element is. So, we're going to start with wood. So, wood, of course, we can still bring all the references of spring into the ideas of wood, but we just need to realize that it exists always, not just in the springtime. But when we start from the outside of the body, like what is wood wood is wind and we know wind to be movement but like when we talked about with spring we're talking about this this excitement of movement this moving from the inner to the outer right that's the idea of wind inside the body and then when moves to form on the outside of the body we think of wood and it's not like the wood we cut up for firewood like we're not talking about dead dry wood we're talking about like the livelihood of trees and bushes. And I've heard a lot of people uh, use bamboo as a good example, but this idea of a living thing that sprouts up and spreads out. So, you know, the bushes and trees, they all start as a little root, but as they grow, they spread out and fill up the space or the environment and they, they expand outward. And also they tend to be flexible and strong at the same time. So it's this idea of, you know, you can push a branch out of your way, but if there's somebody behind you, it might fling back and knock them down. Like that's wood energy, like that—that that flexibility and strength at the same time. And then it goes on to say there's certain colors that that represent this frequency or this vibration too out in the in the world. And they they say the color's green. But when I think of the colors they reference within the Neijing, I'm not thinking of the color green. If you grab a green crayon and color something green, I don't think that is the same energetic green as the reference of green in, in the neijing to me it's the green of the foliage so we're again talking of trees and bushes and grass all these things that are alive with this this energy of spreading out and, and blooming right this is the green that i feel a reference so when you're looking to to understand the movement of what green is look to a leaf or a blade of grass you know these are the 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 riddles that we need to solve for for what they mean but then when this wind moves into the body it becomes the liver so this is what we reference as the liver in the wood and liver in the body manifests as the muscular forces or we said the sinews those are basically the same thing and then lastly for the sense organ that most resembles wood is the eye the sense organs I think it to be a bigger riddle than, than some of the other aspects. Now, one of the things that I've I've read about this concept of the eye as liver is the eye is actually the highest sense organ we have on the on the head. And we know that liver is about up and out, right? And then next we move into the more movement nature of of, of liver. So when we talk of the movement of air through our body, like through the lungs or our quality of voice, they say shouting. So I don't think when they're saying shouting, they're meaning like if you shout, you have the liver energy. But it's more the potential or that that movement you need to to muster inside yourself to, to bring a shout about. That's the movement we're talking about. And then lastly, they have... Uh, emotions that they they relate to all the organs as well and in this sense it's more of like a willpower and again this is probably more an issue of translation from my understanding when they say anger is the the emotion of liver we're not talking about pathological anger where your face turns red and you you know feels like everything's bubbling up and, and you, you just have that rage inside of you that's more of a pathological anger to me what they mean is the movement before we think of anger um it's like that tension in our body that 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 will to like muster up some movement up and out in our body like if you really think about anger right before it becomes pathological it has like that like strong rigid like forceful type feeling to it right and this is what i think they mean it's not the emotional pathological anger it's more before that and this is how all these elements are going to be they're going to have this emotional state with them that we translate in english but it doesn't fully translate i think well from the ideogram of chinese to to english in in one word and sometimes in english we just lack the words that, that that have that same meaning and then lastly to help us better understand what the movement is they talk of well, what's it look like if it's starting to have like pathological changes to it? So they say it, with wood, it's it's a grasping or a pulling of two things together, which highlights some of the other aspects that we've talked about, right? Like grasping is you could think of making a fist real hard, right? That's more of a pathological anger type movement, but it also shows or gives a hint towards the movement of wood before it becomes pathological too, right? Or pulling two things together. We know the muscular forces are, are again, part of liver. But if they pull together and never release, like that's more pathological. But again, these are just riddles to understand more the element of wood. From wood, we move on to fire. And again, fire still embodies this aspect of summer that, that were in previous episodes. But we need to know that. So fire on the outside of the body is heat before it takes form it's just this this feeling of heat that we all know and then when it it comes to form it, it's fire and again there's another color association with with fire and that's red but again not specific to any color red in my mind it's the red of fire so when we look at a fire that 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 red glow that ember this is the the red of fire this is the movement that we're trying to understand when we look at fire when it moves inside the body, we call it heart. So the heart is the fire element of the body. And the heart is responsible for vital circulation. So if we think of fire, we think of that, that moving, you know, the heat has a movement to it. Put your hand over a flame and you'll feel it almost feels like a breeze or something coming off the fire, right? This is the vital circulation from the heart inside the body is this circulating of all the fluids and things that need to be maintained for life. This is the heart's, heart's realm of influence. And it's also considered the vessels. So we're talking about the blood vessels. I also think when we're talking about the vessels, we're talking about any other sort of, you know, like a nerve or something that has like some length of form to it that, that things travel through. I don't think it strictly just means the blood vessels, but it it can be interpreted that way. And then lastly, we look at the sense organ of the tongue as the a, as a last form we can really look at to understand what heart is. But if you think about what the tongue's doing when it comes to communication, this is, I think, what they're talking about with the heart, right? It's our way to take our internal understandings of life and express them outward through voice. And the tongue is what helps uh, pronunciate and bring these things to life. The tongue is also the barrier that allows things in. Think of any time you've had to try and choke something down you don't want, how your tongue tends to tends to block that motion and you kind of have to fight it a little bit. This also, I think, is a little bit the aspect of this fire and heart aspect in the body is this letting things move inside to become part of you and also expressing yourself outward. And now we, we get to the reference of the motion of the breath and how that expresses outward. So in the heart we're talking about laughing so it's that that feeling of laughing and i just i don't know any ways to explain these feelings but we've all laughed we've all you know shouted so i just entice you to explore those emotions for yourself if you're really curious about what those those mean and then lastly we have the the emotional aspect or the thought aspect of of joy is is associated with the heart and then lastly, they give the example of like, well, what's it look like if it starts to get a little pathological or has changes in it that, that are, are affecting its its normal movement? And it's kind of expressed as like this idea of anxiety, which I think of as like a closing in around the heart, right? The heart's not free to move as well. And to me, it it, it resembles a little bit of this idea of feeling trapped inside or unexpressed outwardly. This is the the idea that helps give a little more life to to the idea of fire when it's not functioning well. So next we move on to what most people translate as earth. And I actually don't like to use the term earth because it gets very confusing when you keep using the same terms to describe multiple different things. So we know heavenly energy and earth energy. So when I think of this earth element, I tend to think of it as soil, which is another term I've heard used for translation, so I prefer to use that to define more this this aspect of, of life of the five elements. So when we look to the outward expression of soil, we're looking at dampness. And sometimes I think of dampness as humidity kind of. And then when it starts to express itself more into form, we're talking of soil. I think this is the soil that's required for the quality of life to spring forth. So it still has to include this this idea of dampness. So it's more of a a soil with some moisture in it that, that, that can provide life to whatever's inside of it. And then the color that is associated with this element is yellow. It's the yellow of earth, which I don't think translates real well in our society. I can't think of too many earth places that have like this yellowish soil but in china there's there's a river called the yellow river and from my understanding that earth around that area tends to be a lot more yellow in nature but you could also think of the yellow of harvest so the time of harvesting plants turn to yellow to let us know usually that it's time for harvest in the body it is the spleen and the form that the spleen manifests in the body is the flesh the flesh gets a little hard to define for for what it truly is. I would take all the other elements and the structures they make and then everything that can't be explained through that, I would kind of call flesh. It's also the flesh that allows the spaces in the body to be, um, you know, soil needs, needs to be aerated to allow movement of moisture through it. So... It's this idea of space and form together in the body outside of the other aspects that some of these other elements provide to the body. And then lastly, the sense organ that is is associated with spleen is the mouth. And the spleen and stomach are a pair, so we can easily see how spleen is about the assimilation of food in our bodies to create our flesh this is kind of where all these associations come from but it's the mouth that allows food to enter the body to be assimilated for nutrition and and building our form and, and you know creating the essences that are are within inside of us and then the sound of the voice that is associated with with earth or soil is singing the emotion that is associated with earth or soil is is thought like a reflective type thought a thought that allows ideas and things to come together and become something that we can do something with and then just continue to move on in life with and i think one way to understand the thought that we're talking about is to understand like the pathological idea of this this is kind of obsessive thought or pensiveness this idea of like being obsessive and being stuck on something or being so worrisome that we can't move forward because we're just too worried about all the possibilities. That would be the pathological aspect. So we know that we're talking about free movement of thought for positive creation, I guess, would be a way to think about what the spleen is manifesting. And then, of course, for changes of spleen or to understand when we're seeing manifestations of changes, it's belching or hiccups, things that are moving upward from the stomach or from our, our internal processes already, or digesting our food, these are signs that this isn't happening very well. So next, we'll move on to the metal aspect. And we know metal accompanies, again, all the aspects of autumn with it as well. But outside the body, metal is is dryness. And dryness is pretty self-explanatory. If you were to go out into a desert somewhere, you would probably clearly get the idea of what dryness is. And then dryness in physical form, is metal. So it's like a condensation. So we could think of taking all the moisture out of the air to create something, right? That's metal, like that condensation aspect, that cooling, contracting, condensing aspect that is that is metal. And when we talk of metal, are we talking about jewelry, something nice and refined and elegant that we use to to show beauty in the world? Or are we talking about, you know, the hard steel we create for weapons for destruction and killing? And the answer is yes to both. So I think it's important to think on that aspect of metal so you can clearly understand it. It also shows that metal has a, a malleability to it for life. So these are all important things to understand when we're talking about metal. So when metal moves into the body, it's called lung. And we talked about lung is responsible for the skin and hair. And the skin or hair is this condensing factor of delineating ourselves from the outside world. That's how I think of of the metal contracting aspect reflecting in skin and hair. And then lastly, the sense organ that's associated with metal is the nose. And we know the nose and lung, the the connection between those is pretty apparent and the movement in and out of this heavenly chi that we process in our bodies also is part of that aspect. And then when we talk about the movement of voice we're talking about sobbing or weeping and this doesn't, you know, mean that they're sobbing or weeping. It's that that feeling or that that aspect of sobbing or weeping that can be apparent even without that that being there. And lastly the emotion is is grieving. And again this is another one of those ones that I don't think translates well to a positive motion in in the metal movement. But if we think about grieving, we can think about grieving is also an appreciation of the things we have around us. It's a gratitude for like what we have. It's an understanding of a value of what something brings to our life. And when it becomes pathological, it's that lack of letting go of these aspects. But it's actually healthy to recognize these things in the normal movement of life. And to me, this is what the grieving aspect of, of lung means. And then lastly, when the lung is showing changes within, it usually generates as cough. So we have brought too much energy into the body and we're unable to, to circulate it properly. So the body tends to get rid of it through a cough. And this is the ways that we can see that there's issues with metal. Next, we move on to Water. And outside the body, water is cold. And then when that cold takes form, it's water. And I think the concept of water here is kind of interesting to really like think on and and contemplate a little bit. We know that the kidneys are a big part of our essence and water is in essence a way to say form of the body. But the, the interesting thing to think about with water is water always takes the shape of whatever container it's in, but it also can't be grasped. So it has like a little bit of quality of mystery to it, too. Um, and it's very life-giving in this way because it can always just change to the essence or the, the form it needs to be to to embody life. And when I think of water, this is kind of how I think of it. It's like a, the yang of the yin. Like it's it's the most movable form of all the forms that are possible. Uh, so this is kind of how I think of, of water. It's very very life-giving in this way. So when water moves into the bodies, it's the kidneys. And the kidneys in the body are responsible for the bones and marrow. Again, if we think about just what the, besides the form, what it, what it's providing for life, the bones are the support structure for our form, and the marrow is inside the bones. So the marrow is the, is the most deepest aspect of self in a way. And it's also interesting to think of the bones are very hard, and the marrow is very soft. So kidneys have this aspect of hard and soft in it. And then the other way to think about the bones and marrow is they're the deepest deepest part of ourselves and then the sense organ associated with the kidneys is the ears and I have tried to think and reflect on this one a lot because it's very hard for me to to understand what why the ears right there's not an easy correlation here in my mind but if I think about all the other sense organs and how they work the ears, to me, seem to be the only one that can really turn inside, right? The mouth requires something from the outside. The tongue requires something to interact from the outside. The eyes always need to see from the outside. They don't. They can't look inward to the body. You can't see inside yourself. But the ears, the ears can listen inward. And I've done meditations on this before. But like, if you just sit still, you can listen inward inward to yourself and to me this is kind of what i'm thinking they're meaning with the idea of the ears are the aspect of kidney and the body is that they can go really deep inside yourself and then lastly we talk about the movement of the voice and for kidney it's sighing or groaning and again the emotion that we're associating with with kidneys is fear and fear has two aspects to it, right? We talk about the fight or flight. And when I think of the idea of fight with kidney, I don't think of it the same way I would think that anger fights. So I think it's important to think about these differences when we're examining the elements too. The fight for kidney would be based in survival, more of an aspect of deep protection of yourself or your your, your most deep aspect of your life you know you're preserving yourself whereas the fight in anger to me is a little more like i want to show you my way i feel like i'm better than you you know this is more of an aspect of the fight of anger to me but again we need to understand this is not pathological fear we're talking about we're talking about more the fear that that has that tension that drives us forward in life like a little bit of fear is what helps us move right gives us motivation it's that willpower. To continue with something, this is more the aspect of fear that I think about before it becomes pathological. And then lastly, when the kidney is showing changes inside the body, it shows as shivering. and I think we can easily understand the idea and concepts of cold and shivering within the body, and this is you know how the kidney represents itself. So within the five elements, it's important to also understand there's there's two cycles. There's a generating cycle and then there's like a controlling cycle is what they're usually called. So when I think of the generating cycle, i like to think of this is the aspect that gives rise to its strength transforms to um, these other elements. And this was apparent in the the four seasons. If we think about it this way, it's spring transforms to summer, summer transforms to late summer, late summer transforms to autumn. And this is the same cycle, of generation so we're talking about how these things slowly change into each other and transform into new motion and the the cycle is the wood transforms to fire fire transforms to soil soil transforms to metal metal transforms to water and i think it's important to like think about these also in the aspects to truly understand what these elements are it tells us it's kind of like i think the way to think about it is the movement of that element When it slightly shifts or transforms to a certain extent, it becomes the other element. So there's an embodiment of motion there that can be understood as the subtle transformation from element to element that I think is is nice to think on. And it's also important to think of during this transformation process from like say summer or from like spring to summer, right? We have a clear delineation in our calendar, of what spring to summer is, but there does come a point if we didn't have this, this designated marker, the man-made marker, that we would have probably have a little difficulty telling, is it still spring or has it moved to summer? right? And I think it's important to think about that through all the transformations of the elements too, is that they all at one point have a, a harder delineation of movement between them when they're when they're related closely in the in the generative cycle and then the other aspect is this controlling cycle and i tend to like to think of the controlling cycle more as like an offsetting motion that helps you know regulate the element that may be out of control here Um, and this one is you know wood is controlled by metal and I'll just give a brief example for this one, and then you can think about the other ones for yourself. But wood, we know, is spring. It's always easiest to refer back to the this, the seasons for me. And spring is this expanding outward, this this forceful thrust out to the world that, that starts life. And metal is the aspect that brings that movement back in so that we can recharge. And you can see easily here that how one controls the other right and they're saying that the metal controls the the wood but again when we're thinking of these relationships it's the controlling factor that kind of tells you what the other one's not which is also another thing to think on and contemplate when we're thinking of the elements so the elements continue with you know fire is controlled by water earth is controlled by wood Metal is controlled by fire, and water is controlled by earth or soil. And then another aspect to think about with the controlling cycle is this isn't 100% always the solution, right? If you have a wood aspect of life that's out of balance, metal doesn't always bring it back. And uh, one example actually given in the in the text in the book is, this metal and fire aspect, right? Fire controls metal. But what if we have a skin condition, like a heat rash? Well, if you were just to use the controlling cycle as, as a way to unbalance these imbalances, you would add more heat to something that already has heat. And in this aspect, you're adding more yang to something that's already yang when it needs yin to kind of balance itself. Um, So, In this specific example, you would actually be causing more harm to the skin. So I think it's important to think about those relationships. And to me, this means that even though the five elements have control over each other, it's the yin and yang aspect that still takes precedence over the five elements. So if you can make a general yin and yang, that will be more powerful than the five elements and their um, controlling of each other. So now that we've talked about the five elements and you know their movements and their vibrations and associations, it's important to think about this in the aspect of the whole body. So what they're saying is there's five distinct movements inside the body that create all the movements that is life. It sounds simple when we break it down into five, but it gets very complex when we start to interact all of them together it gets less clear which is which you know we have of course in every element there's a yin and yang aspect to it like there's what does it look like if it has too much movement what does it look like if it has not enough movement these are two aspects of every element that exists and then it's important to understand that we talk about these external forces that can influence the internal movements right and we know there's six external chi that can influence the five movements inside the body. And just so you have the reference that these are heat, cold, dampness, dryness, wind and summer heat. These all have an effect on the way the internal movements of the body are working if they're allowed in. And then we know there's the invisible aspects of life too that that are probably a little less definable than some of the structures that that we talk about. And I like to think of these as the emotions or the thought processes that are that are the individual. And again, just through these five examples, we have anger, joy, grief, pensiveness, I'm going to use for thought, for a pathological idea, and then fear. And you can see just by having to mix in the invisible with the visible, it gets very complex very quick. So I want to look at just a quick example of like how the five elements can be used in treatment maybe, or a way to look at how the five elements interact with each other, right? We know that muscular forces the liver. So if somebody comes in and they have a, an, an issue with their muscles, the question is, is the liver the problem? I don't know if the liver's the problem, but the liver is definitely being affected. We know this through the five element theory the muscles that are the muscular forces, the liver. So we know there's an issue with the liver, but it's not that simple when it comes to the medicine. So each of the elements have an interaction with liver as well. So we don't know if it's the liver itself that's causing the issue or if it's these other elements mixing with the liver that are causing the issue. And I'll just take some brief examples of how the other elements could interact with muscular forces or, or the sinews in the body. The heart, right? We know that's the vessels in the body. So if we have an issue with blood flow to the muscle in a circulatory way, we know that maybe it's the heart. When we look at soil, what we know soil is about digesting food and bringing nutrients into the body. If we don't have the proper nutrients to give to the muscle, that also will cause dysfunction. And metal, we know, is about contracting inwards or bringing chi into the body this is part of the the uh the function of the lung is to bring in this heavenly chi movement into the body and if we don't have enough of that the muscle won't work properly and then we can look at the water element and the water i mean is literally about the fluids in the body if we don't have enough fluid to move around into that muscle again the muscle will have dysfunction and I think this is where it's important, again, to to emphasize the importance of diagnosis and having a proper way to diagnose beyond just the physical, logical explanation or association. That's the simple answer. You know, in Chinese medicine, they often talk about this idea of the root and branch. And the root is the real issue. The branch is what you see. So it's important to understand what initially caused the issue that we're seeing. It's not always what we're seeing that's the issue. So, again, I just want to reiterate, five motions are the foundation of everything that creates life in the body. When they're all mixed together, it gets more complex, which becomes every possible movement that is life. But these movements can happen in so many complex different ways, that they can produce the uncountable amounts of differentiation in the body. And this is where the complexity of the medicine is, right? So as always, I always like to think, you know, so we went through what the five elements are and how they work in the body. What does that mean for touch? Again, I'm just going to bring this back to, it's very simple that we need to, think on all these elements and what the movement they're providing is and how does that feel inside our bodies. And this is what we're trying to do with our touch. We're trying to bring these movements into our perspective so that the person we're treating, the body can understand how to readjust itself. So next week, I'm going to continue with some more concepts from this chapter because this chapter is a very complex and, and um, deep chapter in, in the Naging probably the most important chapter. And we're going to talk a little bit about how they, they talk about diagnosis and, and transformation in the body for healing and living life. And as always, I hope everyone has a great week and I hope that you'll tune in again next week. Have a great week.